are a good driver. Yes, I said good, so you need to be honest. <laughs> so that's maybe why not that many hands are up. Okay, good drivers. Uh, how about um, pretty good cook? I think you're pretty, pretty, pretty good at cooking. Okay, and uh, good swimmer. And my definition of good swimmer is if you won't drown in the pool, then you're pretty good. Okay, pretty good swimmer. All right. So now, those of you who said that you were a good driver, what if I asked that question, and sitting right here in these two chairs that are empty right now, but right there, sitting in those two chairs, were Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch. Now, if you're not familiar with those names, they are two of the top NASCAR drivers. Chase is usually driving the, the blue and white Napa Auto Parts car, and Kyle Busch, for a long time, the yellow M&M's car, although I guess that's going to change soon. But these are guys who push the pedal as far as they can. They're willing to go like 200 miles an hour around the track with other cars literally inches away. Do you think that you could learn something about driving from them? I think I could. Uh, for those of you who said that you were good cooks, imagine if I asked that question and sitting next to you was Giada De Laurentiis or Alex Garnaschelli or Bobby Flay, Food Network stars themselves. They can do amazing things. They know kitchens and ingredients and flavors just inside and out. And they could prepare these culinary masterpieces in like 30 minutes with ingredients they didn't know that they were going to have. Do you think you could learn something about cooking from them? And if you said, I'm a good swimmer because I won't drown in the pool... What if in that pool with you was Katie Ledecky or Caleb Dressel, seven-time Olympic gold medalist swimmers? Do you think you could learn something about swimming from them? And I got one final question for you this morning. How many of you know how to pray? everyone's hand with me up. <laughs> know how to pray? Yeah, we're, that's the habit of a disciple that we've arrived at today, this fourth habit that the disciples of Jesus, you and I, we, we pray. We pray to God. We pray with others. We pray for others. We pray for ourselves. We pray. And I would imagine that most of you in here, maybe you've done that once or twice in your lifetime. Maybe you've done it hundreds, thousands of times that you've come before God in prayer. And so as we talk today, it's not that you don't know how to pray. But Jesus is in the room today. Jesus sits next to you, and through his word, Jesus is here, and through that word, Jesus wants to teach us something about prayer. 
And I think we all can learn from him. And Jesus wants to teach us how to make prayer a habit in our lives. And a greater habit, just as he did. Which is what prompted his first disciples to ask him that question, Lord, teach us how to pray. And I don't think that those first disciples, that they didn't know how to pray. They, it wasn't like they didn't know what prayer was or they hadn't done it before in their lives. But they recognized something about the way that Jesus prayed and the way that Jesus made it a habit in his life. And maybe they recognized that there was a weakness in their own prayer life. Luke introduces this section by saying that Jesus was in this certain place and he had gone there to pray. And as you read any of the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it doesn't matter, you pick up any of those, you will notice how Jesus made it a habit to pray. You'll see him pray often, sometimes alone. Sometimes he goes off by himself. Other times he takes people with him. He prays with others. As you read those biographies, you'll hear Jesus and and the prayers that he said. You'll hear him pray for himself. You'll hear him pray for others. You'll hear him pray for you. So Jesus made it a habit of prayer. Which means that prayer is not a weakness. Prayer is not a crutch. Prayer is a powerful tool that God entrusts to us and he desires, he invites us to use it. He invites us to ask, to seek, to to knock on his door. And maybe if we recognize that there's a weakness in our prayer life, if, if this habit isn't the strongest habit in your life as a disciple, uh, maybe there's some reasons for that. Now, our prayer life weakens when we don't recognize, first of all, how needed it is. And our prayer life weakens when we don't recognize just how much God invites it. You know, as the disciples came, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples. And, well, maybe they wanted to know when, where. You know, do I do, I do it at home, alone by myself? Do, do I go to the synagogue? Do I go out into the countryside? Do I find a quiet place? Do I need to pray with other people? Do I need to pray by myself? And it's really interesting because here, Jesus doesn't say anything about the setting, the time, 
the method, the manner, all these questions that usually come to our mind when we think about prayer. And if we want to know more about prayer, we, we ask those questions, should I pray in church? Should I pray at home by myself? What's the method that I should use? But Jesus doesn't get into all of that. And when Jesus instructed about prayer, he instructed on the content and the attitude. And it's this content and this attitude that really helps us to see why prayer should become a habit. Why we should pray more and for more. Because of the content and the attitude that Jesus highlights. Jesus focused on the why of prayer. And first he talked about the content. He gave the disciples an outline for their prayer that's become known as the Lord's Prayer. And so many of you, many believers throughout the world, they have heard these words, they have spoken these words, they have prayed these words. And really, we could have entire messages built off of each of these phrases of the Lord's Prayer. There's so much that's there. All of our other prayers, they can fall into the realms that Jesus places there with each of these phrases. But I'm not going to do that today. I'm just going to touch on them briefly, but what I want to point out is that each and every one of them connects to a daily need. We want God to be glorified. His name, His kingdom, His will, every single day. We trust in, we rely on God for our daily needs, our daily bread as we pray, food, shelter, clothing, peace, safety, all of these things daily we rely and trust on God for them. Forgiveness, to receive it, to grant it, how blessed are we? When that becomes something that's daily a part of our lives. And that's what Jesus really is showing. Just how much of a blessing it is when prayer becomes a regular habit in our lives. Freedom from temptation. Strength to fight against those temptations To to ask God to be our strength and our shield is needed every single day because every single day there's that enemy, that enemy who's prowling around looking for someone to devour. What a blessing when God is our strength and our shield every single day. And so there are so many blessings that come to us when this content becomes our habit. And so after Jesus had talked about the the content, then he speaks to the attitude. An attitude of boldness and confidence. And I think his story that he shares here, this little mini story that he shares is so interesting. Because 
in this little story, Jesus purposely wants us to take the, the fictitious details that he puts in his story and then to compare them with the reality of God. And when you compare those fictitious details with the reality of God, there is a stark contrast. And that stark contrast, it moves us to make prayer our habit and to pray with boldness and confidence. When you make that comparison, it, it is almost ridiculous. It, it's almost comical to see how different the reality of God is from this little mini story. So we're going to take a look at the big story of God as we look at this mini story. So here we go. Jesus says, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. So did you catch the relationship? A friend? We love to talk about Jesus as our friend, and that's amazing. It's incredible to think how Jesus would be a friend to us. But do you remember how Jesus started his prayer that he taught the disciples? It wasn't friend, it was father. Now, friends are great, but they're not fathers. And when we pray to God, we pray to our Heavenly Father who loves us immensely. He loves us with this, this incredible, deep level of compassion. This love that means that He is interested in us and He's interested in what's going on in our lives. He is deeply concerned for us. So deeply concerned for us that he sent his son. He wants to know about our fears, our struggles, our joys. And so, because God is our father, not just our friend, we can approach him with confidence and eagerness no matter when. In Jesus' story, it was the middle of the night. How do you feel about interrupting somebody in the middle of the night? Would you have a little bit of apprehension about doing that? Like, maybe if it was an emergency, maybe if somebody was hurt or they couldn't breathe or you got in a car accident right in front of their house, then maybe you would go up and you knock on their door and, and ask for help. But you'd be fearful about it. You'd be a little nervous about how they would react. And even if it was your very best friend, someone that you know that you can rely on, that they would help you out in any situation, I think to call them up in the middle of the night, you'd still have some apprehension. But do you need to be apprehensive when you approach God? Whenever that is? 
I mean, is God bound by times and cycles and the need for rest? Nope. He's always alert, always awake, always ready, always open, always eager to listen, to hear. No matter the request. In Jesus' story, it's a pretty small request. Three loaves of bread. The young boy at the feeding of the 5,000, he had more than that. He had five. Right? Small request. What kind of request do you bring to your God? Do you bring small requests? Now, certainly God is ready and he is willing to hear any request, any need, any desire that's on our hearts, but God wants us to bring big requests. God wants to know about the the real issues in our lives. The, The deep fears that you face. The worries that cause you anxiety the things that keep you up at night. God wants to know about those. God wants you to bring these big, bold requests to him. And when you do, when you bring your request to God, you come before the almighty God of the universe with every single resource at his disposal. Make it a habit to pray for more. And when you make it a habit, it removes hesitancy. And Jesus continues to invite us to see these ridiculous comparisons. As he continues with his story, he says, and suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. And my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Do you ever get worried about bothering people? Maybe it's your boss and you got to bring something up. But you're worried that you're going to bother him. And especially when people maybe make it clear to us that yes, I am busy, whether that's reality or not. Maybe sometimes it is true, but then we really feel like we're bothering them. You know, when somebody, like, doesn't open the door all the way, they just kind of keep it open a crack, like, you pretty clearly get the impression and the understanding that they don't really want to talk to you. Or when you go into their office, and they continue to click around on their computer screen and type on their keyboard, or, or they just have their head down on what's on their desk in front of them, and they don't make any eye contact with you, and they just kind of nod along, but you can tell they get, their look is like that far-off gaze. They're not really paying attention. They're not focused. Yeah, it's pretty clear. You're bothering them. I think we get really worried about bothering people. Maybe we even get worried about bothering God. But God 
never does that. He's never distracted by the open document on his computer screen or the website that he's clicking around on. He never only opens the door a crack, he opens it wide open. He doesn't do those things because God invites your prayer. And he is focused on you. God never locks the door. He, he doesn't have business hours. Anyone in here own their own business? No? If you, if you own your own business, then you know how much Google and Facebook, they want to know your business hours. Because they want to be able to tell everybody who's searching for you when they can bother you, when they can interact with you, when they can call you up. And we use our calendars and we set our times, busy, available, maybe even use a scheduling tool for appointments. And, and if somebody snags that appointment, well then, the other person, you're out of luck. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't have business hours. He's always open. Walk-ins welcome. No appointment necessary. 24-7, 365 days a year for eternity. He invites you to come to him in prayer. In Jesus' story, that friend said, my children are in bed. You know, he had other responsibilities, good responsibilities. He should take care of his children. He should watch over them. He should tend to them. He should make sure that they get good sleep. And so maybe it was a valid excuse not to answer the door. And while your God has millions and billions of children to whom to tend, he also has this amazing, miraculous propensity to listen to every single one of them, to hear and to answer their prayers. And he also has this amazing, miraculous propensity to accomplish it. He has the ability and the power to act. Finally, this friend said, I can't. God never says that. He never says, I can't. As your amazing, wonderful, loving, deeply compassionate father, he does know what is best for you. And so maybe sometimes the answer that he gives to you in answer to your prayers, it's something that is for your best. And it's not the answer that you were looking for or hoping for, but it is for your best and your good. And you can trust in that. But God never says, I can't. It is never the case that he is unable. Jesus concluded his story and he said, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. The character in that story, he answered because of the shamelessness and the boldness of his friend. The, the word that's used there, it means that this friend, he, he completely ignored convention. 
He had no sensitivity to what was proper and right. But dear brothers and sisters, you do not have to earn the ear of your God. And when you approach God, you don't have to come with this shamelessness. When you approach God, you are being sensitive to what is proper because God invites prayer. When you approach God, you are doing what is the convention because God invites your prayer and he invites you to come with boldness. And so actually, when you come before God, you do come shameless because there is no shame before your God. You have every reason to be bold and audacious because God invites exactly that attitude. And so can we just marvel at all this for a bit? Marvel at how God invites us to come. And and finally, you know, Jesus doesn't just teach us how to pray, but it is Jesus himself who gives us the greatest reason to pray. Grace. As Jesus focuses on the why of prayer, he gives us the biggest why. God's grace. Because when we needed salvation for our souls even more than we needed our daily bread. Jesus came. And we, we needed the forgiveness of our sins to be set free from their condemnation, to be set free from the guilt that was upon us. It was Jesus It was Jesus who prayed that God, his heavenly Father's will, would be done as he went to the cross. And when we needed rescue and deliverance, when we needed to be saved from evil, we needed release from all of the temptations and the struggles that we face, it was Jesus and his grace that was there for us. And when it would have been utterly shameful for us to even think about coming before our God because of the rebellion that we had lived in, God came to us. God approached us. Jesus came and he interrupted the deepest darkness of the night of our sin. And he came with his light of grace and love and mercy. He delivered the gift that we so desperately needed, salvation itself. That's the grace of your God. And that's why Jesus tells you 
For this reason, because of grace, ask, seek, knock, and the door will be open to you. Jesus gives us the greatest reason that disciples of Jesus make it a habit to pray. Grace. And grace is why you and I will make prayer our habit.